Welcome to Gapology Radio with your hosts, Mark Tinas and Brian Brockoff, authors of the leadership development books, Gapology, Imbar, and Speed of Purpose. At Gapology, our purpose is to help leaders achieve their greatest potential. To learn more about our groundbreaking books and training services, visit our website, gapology.org. Hey everybody, welcome to Gapology Radio. Remember, for a quick, easy way to easily get your team or yourself up to speed on Gapology, we have a video-based e-learning course available on udemy.com. It's simple to complete with some short activities after each segment that help to solidify the learning. Just search for Gapology on udemy.com. And you'll learn more information on all things Gapology and our other books on gapology.org. And tonight, we're beginning a new series where we ask the question, how do you know? We asked this to several different topics that I found to be potentially interesting conversation starters. And we'll begin with this one. How do you know when to hire? Hmm, could be an interesting topic. And if you have any other tips, feel free to send them over to us, either through our email at contact at gapology.org or through our social media. We'd love to hear from you. All right, so let's go ahead and get the show rolling with Martinez. Hey, Mark, how are you doing? Good, Brian. How are you? Terrible. Why? Oh, my gosh. I haven't been able to sleep for a week. Oh, my God. What's wrong? I keep I keep dreaming about being chased by poodles. <laughs> <laughs> no way. That They're was just... me that was in Carmel. <laughs> They're after me. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I had a dream the other night about poodles, and I do blame you. And for anybody that hasn't listened to last week's podcast, you need to go back and listen to it. It's uh, that'll that'll fill in all the all the details there. <laughs> so what's scary is it's been a week and a half and I haven't stopped thinking about poodles. I know, man. Now you want to go out and get one? Well, just pink and purple and, you know, every color. It's <laughs> Crazy, they're everywhere. <laughs> this world has lost its mind that, a lot of times. That is I think. a special day. That is a special day. I'm going to go back to Carmel next year for Poodle Day. It's yeah. in October. The weather's perfect. I mean, mm-hmm. how can you beat that? I know. You know, we we should set up a booth there, like a Gapology booth. And as and as the poodles walk by, you know that we can you know pet them and say hello. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's <laughs> consider that. Yeah. You don't sound too excited about that. <laughs> I prefer to run on the beach with them. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not running anywhere, so unless they're chasing me in my dreams. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh let's dig into this topic. So, uh we have a new new series that we're kicking off tonight. Um we wrapped up the last one last week. So, this one is all about how do you know so we'll we'll explore certain topics um, just through the lens of how, you know, as a leader, how do you know when to do something? And tonight we're going to talk about how do you know when to hire? So you're looking at your existing team and you're, and you're asking yourself, you know, do I need to hire some people? Um, do I need to add headcount or do I need to replace some people on my team? How do you know when to hire? So next week we'll we'll talk about how do you know something different, but tonight is all about hiring. So I thought this would be an interesting series. So what do you think, Mark? Yeah, I think I think leaders often wrestle with how do you know? Yeah. 
And um, we're going to just share our experience. And again, having worked with a number of other companies as large as Fortune 25, you know, how do you know? Mm -hmm. The other part of this one, as it relates to hiring, is how do you know in the interview process you're sitting in front of somebody that should join your team? We've got some ideas around that as well. So Ooh, yeah. it's, it's, it's a big topic. So how do you know? Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, when you have somebody there and you're, uh, debating, you know, is this the right fit or, or maybe have a, a cast of maybe two or three potential candidates. How do you know which one to choose? So, so yeah, some interesting perspectives here for sure. So, uh, what are your initial thoughts on this? Well, so when, um, when you're looking at the team and asking yourself, how do you know, one of the first things you should look at is just alignment with the purpose. You know, have you clarified the purpose with the team and what's that alignment look like? You really want to make sure that you're not the gap. So often, how do you know leads with a mirror? Look in the mirror, make sure you've done all the right things. Alignment with the purpose of the organization is critical. So if you're not aligned, you know it's time for a change. So that's really the first thing. What, what do you think about that? Yeah. Oh, I totally agree. I think, you know, is your current team delivering the purpose and doing so with consistency? I think that's the first question. And as a result, is your customer experience suffering and is your employee experience suffering um, as a result of that? I think that is the first question. And the, if the answer is yes, we're, we're actually suffering from our ability to serve either the internal uh, team members or the customers, then you know, I think that's the first question to to look at and say, hey, yeah, maybe we do need to actually do some hiring. And again, look internally first as well. Yeah. You know, are are you the issue? Often, often as leaders, we are. Mm -hmm. It's a tough thing to admit, but when doing so, you can move things forward, you know, dramatically. So uh you want to reinforce the things then around around the purpose. You want to make sure your message is clear. Some of the things you, you already should know would be the metrics that you expect the team to deliver. You know, are those clear? Are they behavioral? And do they align with the purpose? So you've, you've got to, again, look at that. And when you do so, the answer should be pretty clear as to where the issue is. So it's a it's a good exercise to simply move on to look at those measures of the purpose. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes we'll find leaders with a grand purpose, but they haven't gone to the granular level of ensuring that the metrics that they're measuring are measures of the purpose being delivered. And that's a big deal. You've got to make sure you shore those things up your top performers should be delivering those metrics. And that again, tells you that the purpose is in play. It's there, it's behavioral and it's being delivered. Yeah. I think you hit on a, on a really important point. And this is really the essence of gapology in general is that as leaders, we own the gaps, you know? So, so when you ask yourself some of those questions, you know, is there customer experience suffering? Are we delivering our purpose? Is the employee experience suffering? Some of those kinds of questions. 
And then taking a step back and looking in the mirror and saying, okay, so if not, have I done everything that I can do as a leader to ensure that that the, the team set up for success there? And then looking at the metrics and saying, all right, so does my team know what to do and how to do it? Do they know what they need to achieve? Um, have I done everything I need around that? And creating that culture of success. And oftentimes the answer is no. You know, in, in our experience in, in working with different organizations, taking that step back and looking in the mirror is the toughest thing, actually, that we need to do. Yeah, we worked with an organization that became incredibly successful when they narrowed the metrics to five. So those metrics were a, um, a reflection of the purpose being delivered. They narrowed the metrics to five. They set an expectation for those five, and then they began measuring the team. And they knew then who was performing and who was not performing. They literally were not measuring the team before that. So the people they thought were the top performers before may have just been someone that had a good uh, personality. Uh, once they started measuring these metrics, which reflected the purpose, they could see the performance of the team and it changed everything and it allowed people to step up where they could. And it, uh, it, it really created a result that, you know, unbelievable think about doubling your business by suddenly connecting with the metrics that equal the purpose and measuring those and holding people accountable to those. So, it's not always the friendliest people on the team that are delivering uh, the purpose. You've, you've really got to define the behavioral metrics and measuring those. And the rhythm of publishing those can be incredibly effective. If that team knows that every week, every month, whatever the time frame of your metrics are, uh, that they're going to be published with their name next to a number, it changes behavior throughout that entire week or month. And when that happens, it not only clarifies to them the purpose, it clarifies to you who is aligning with the purpose and everything can move. So it allows you to know, you know, to, to the, mm -hmm. to the topic we're on, you, uh, you know, when that piece is in place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. You know, looking at the, the metrics, those results, that's the evidence of the behavior. So look at that, analyze it, you know, look to see who's consistently performing to your level of expectations, specifically to your purpose, the things that you're really going after, things that are the highest expectations. And just know then that that's the reflection of the behavior of your team. Yeah. One of our first clients, when we walked in and sat down in the executive room and started listening, we found out that they had dozens of metrics that they measured. Yeah. Yeah. And when that happens, nobody's held accountable because mm -hmm. everybody sort of does some of them. Uh, so we quickly took the dozens, and I'm not joking about that, dozens, and narrowed it to five. And once the focus was on these five metrics that really reflected what mattered, it really reflected their purpose as an organization. And everyone who was held accountable to those five, business exploded literally exploded often with the same team by the way the same group of people held accountable to the metrics that mattered 
changed everything. The team was confused. When you've got dozens of metrics, what matters? Mm-hmm. Hard to figure out. You sort of align with the ones you sort of naturally align with. No, change it. Mm-hmm. Narrow it. Five, three, whatever the number, very narrow. Equal to your purpose. Equaling the behaviors that you believe in. And then everything comes together. So how do you know? You know when you do that. Mm-hmm. That changes everything. It's significant. Yeah, I, I think asking the question when you're looking at the the breadth of the goals and expectations and all the metrics that you've laid out that are that are important to you, when you look at that and you measure it against your purpose, you know, asking yourself the question, you know, does this deliver our purpose? If we achieve this, will it deliver our purpose? And at what scale? Um, and then looking at how they compare to each other, you can very quickly narrow down your top five most important expectations. Yeah, the purpose generally will be simply reflected by a small group of of metrics. You know, just force yourself yeah. to rank them. We we did a ranking process with the dozens of metrics that the one organization was focused on, and we quickly found that there were a top five, a very clear top five. And once that was the narrow focus of the group, the purpose was also the focus of the group. Mm -hmm. And it changed everything. It changed everything. And again, uh, a proud group of people with a number put by their name, they're going to want to achieve a great number. They're going to want that number to be great. So when that number aligns with the purpose, it's a big deal. Think of it aligning with your annual banquet. Think of it aligning with the things you celebrate. Think of it aligning with the conversations about how proud they are of the team. All all of that comes together when you narrow that set of metrics down to a small number. Mm -hmm. And five or even down to three is, is incredibly effective. Yeah. Yeah. Keep it as narrow as you can for sure. So Mark, so, so say you do this. So you go through, you look at your results, you look, look at who's achieving, who's not achieving. Uh, what do you do then? Well, so one of the things that leaders know, and they can measure it with testing, but they also know is the engagement of the team. Oh Yeah. So they know when the team's engaged and when they're not. And what we've found is that top performers don't like to work with underperformers. So if you allow if you allow your team to include underperformers, it lowers the engagement level of the entire team. So you certainly need to seek feedback from your team on engagement, but a lot of it is rather obvious. And if you have underperformers, clear underperformers on your team, they need to go. Uh, Certainly, we we would allow them to become top performers. But if that's not the case, they need to go because top performers like to work with other top performers and they, they feel better about their work when they're working with a group of people that really believe in the purpose. So the engagement level of the team matters. And however you measure it, you can test for it. But you also might know you need to be in touch with it one way or the other. Uh, The engagement level of the team uh, really tells you what you need to know. It's, It's right there for you. So make sure you're 
thinking about it and that it's part of how you view the alignment of the team with the purpose and the performance levels of the team because highly engaged team members perform at a different level. So if you increase the engagement, things are going to go better. So be be aware of that. Yeah, I think I think as a leader you have two choices, right? So so when you're looking at team performance and you've ensured that you've closed your performance gaps, right? So you've refocused your training efforts, you've ensured clarity around expectations, prioritization, you you've ensured accountability, all those pieces that we talk about every week um, around performance gaps. So you do that first, right? So so that's your first choice. Um, knock that out, get that done. And the next thing is to hire talent. So if if you've done all your pieces as a leader, then it's really time to to take that step back and go, okay, so do I actually need to bring new talent in to raise the bar? Because if you have top performers who are working with underperformers, they're either going to get disgruntled or they're going to slide back down the commitment ladder and become, you know, uh, an underperformer themselves. Um, so I think it's it's critical that you recognize this and take action right away. Yeah, let's just pause right there for a minute, though, because you're on to some big stuff. Um, as the leader, make sure that you reset expectations. So you sort of own it. So say, you know, team, I, I have not been clear. These are the five expectations that we have. And I expect each of you to achieve these expectations. Uh, they are behavioral and they align with our purpose. Reset them. And if someone needs retraining, retrain them. But often retraining is just, uh, you know, covering up of an underperformer. But retrain as needed. But take ownership for it and reset those expectations. Once you've done that, Clarity is going to come. You're mm -hmm. going to see who performs, who doesn't perform, and the entire team is going to be clear. You know, the habit ladder, we haven't mentioned it yet in, in this uh, podcast, but the habit ladder is an incredible tool to use for this. So the first step is to communicate whatever that might be, the uh, behaviors that are expected, et cetera. The second step is to confirm that everyone understands it so you verify that it's understood by the group if you were in a meeting you'd literally go around the room and have them repeat it third step critical is to ask for their agreement to do it their commitment to it that changes everything and then if anyone needs practice and feedback and which could be the retraining piece that comes into play and that creates habit, and that will drive the results and the metrics that equal that purpose. So the habit ladders in Gapology is incredibly effective, and it, it works. So it is a critical piece to, to know. It helps you know. It, it really does clarify. And, and you're the one as the leader that has to put it in play. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. In, in fact, I had lunch today with um, one of my good friends, and he is a Hall of Fame martial arts sensei. Um, he teaches, he's got his own dojo. Um, he's incredibly successful. And he and I were talking about this actual thing that you were just 
going through Mark, um, you know, retraining is actually something that needs to happen from time to time because people do forget, especially if it's something that they haven't practiced and if it's something that they don't find personally important to them. They need that practice. They need that retraining. Uh, even he, who's he's been awarded at many awards over the years, um, he still trains every single day. He's uh, 60 years old. He can bench press 500 pounds. He's an amazing person, but he trains every single day. People do forget. They they only retain pieces of information. And and if you you know take your team through a training one time in a training room and then send them out to work, they're going to retain only the things that they feel personally connected to. And and unless you're there to coach them and lead them along the way and reinforce the behaviors that are expected, they're going to forget those things. So so don't don't underestimate the power of, of retraining. Um, at the same time, don't have it as a crutch where you're constantly going back over and over and over and over again with the same people. So it's a kind of a balance there as well. Oh, I love that. You know, there's there's no there there. You never get there. You do need to retrain. Mm -hmm. The other thing that Brian and I have seen over the years is we have seen an underperformer, someone who we would have in Gapology called the C group, become the top performer because somebody believed in them, because somebody retrained them, because somebody clarified expectations. The bottom becomes the top. Is very possible. When that happens, often it's simply a reflection of you as the leader being the gap. You're the gap. So when you close your own gap, sometimes the bottom becomes the top. So don't underestimate it, but don't constantly retrain because it's just a crutch. Yeah. Uh, we've seen leaders that were timid, didn't want to terminate, um, underperformers. Well, they needed to be, they need to go. They're holding back the team. They're not, they're not the C group that's going to become the A group. They're yeah. holding back the A group. So, you know, yeah. So you need to step up and, uh, and, and accept this. Yeah. And we've seen that over and over again. Mm -hmm. So once you've, you know, once you've made sure that you're not the gap, you've clarified expectations, et cetera, you've closed, uh, the gapology, knowledge, importance, and action gaps. The team knows what to do. They know how to do it. They know how it's measured and they, and they actually do it. Then you're well on your way to knowing, you know, when you, when you need to hire. Any other thoughts before I move on to the hiring process, Brian? Yeah. Uh, no, not really. Let's, yeah, let's dig into the hiring process because I think that's the key piece. So we've done all this hard work. I mean, it's just... If you think about everything we've talked about so far, it's all that prep stuff to do ahead of time to ensure that that you're doing your due diligence and setting the team up for success. But at some point, you do have to look outside. So, so what do you think on that one, Mark? Well, yeah. So you've decided to uh, hire someone new to the team. Maybe you've terminated someone. Maybe someone resigned because they were underperforming or you're expanding the team, whatever. For a given role, you need to define the core competencies that are required. You need to be clear on this. So I would keep it again to five or less. 
core competencies, we need these five things. So core competencies are skills. They're the five skills that you need in the role. What we've seen that works incredibly well is to define those five. Uh, and again, that's just a number I'm using. You, you can narrow it or you don't want to expand it too much. You want to keep it fairly narrow. You then define the questions that, or question that can be asked in an interview that brings out that core competency. Keep it simple. Uh, I was told once that a Walmart one-hour interview is only five questions long, that they have narrowed the questions to five. I totally align with that. So if you know the five core competencies, you literally have a question to identify that core competency, and then you would follow up on their answer. So there's other questions asked in the follow-up, but you're really on that very narrow focus defined by that, by that question. Once, once that's in place, everything starts to come together. It becomes very clear who is a candidate for the team and who is not, who aligns with the purpose and the behavioral pieces and who does not, uh, who has the values that you aspire to and who does not. The um, well, let me pause for a minute. So, do you have anything else to add to that? Because I got one other significant piece here. Uh, yeah, no, I I think you're right on there. It's it's really connecting the questions to the competencies. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we we want to know if they can do the job. So so that's really the the fundamental piece of this. Yeah, the weird word thing there. Let me throw this in because I've done this over and over. There is a simple question that can be asked that clarifies that competency. It requires follow-up questions, but that one simple question will open the door. So you need to determine what that is. So once you've determined the core competencies of the role, come up with the question that equals that competency and you're there. It's, it's quite interesting. Mm -hmm. So the other thing that you know as a leader, is you know who the top performers are on your team currently. You need to know what their competencies are. You need to know them. You need to understand them. So you sort of got this predictor of great performance already on your team. Oh, okay. What are their core competencies? Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. There it is. So you have that. Make sure you know that because that gives you an insight into who you need. So top performers are predictive. We should write that down, Brian. Mm, I like that. Top performers are predictive of future performance. They're, they're predictive of what you're looking for in someone else. Not that we're looking for everybody to be the same. But if we're hiring a third baseman for the San Francisco Giants, they damn well better be able to field that 100-mile-per-hour drive down the line and throw across to first base. We have to have that. It's not optional. It's the only way we can win as a team. 
we know that that's a core competency that's needed. Right, Brian? Yeah. Should I have said the Kansas City Royals? I'm sorry. Well, yeah. I was like, who are you talking about? <laughs> you know what I'm saying, though? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sure. there, there are core competencies by role mm-hmm. that the leader has to fully understand. Absolutely. So if you look at it as a baseball team, it becomes yep. pretty clear. Yeah, I think that's a great analogy. And and that that's exactly what it needs to be. Look at your team, where are your strengths, where are your weaknesses? If you're replacing weaknesses, look to see, you know, how do they need to perform? What does it need to look like? And you'd lay it out and then you interview to it, ask the great questions and, you know, look for behavioral uh, representation of the the skills that they're talking about. And uh, you, you move forward from there. So we've, we've seen leaders that hire underperformers over and over again because it's easy. Mm-hmm. It's easier than hiring top performers. They don't expect as much from their leader. Don't, don't be there. Understand that hiring top performers requires a full understanding of the core competencies that equal that purpose. If you're going to deliver that purpose, you've got to, you've got to get there. And when you do, it's, uh, it's magical. Yeah. And I think you hit on really the answer to the question of when to hire. If you look at your team and you have a, a position on your team that's not performing to the level that you expect to that all-star baseball player level, that's the answer to your question right there. You need to go out and hire. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yep. How do you know? You know. You know, that's good. Okay. I, well, I think that's a, a good place to leave it. And anything additional, Mark, that you want to leave everybody with? No, I think as a leader, this is a big deal. And you need to put the ownership on yourself. And you should know. And the things that we've uh, offered tonight would help you to know. And it may not be part of your skill set today, so add it. And once you become fully competent in the stuff we've talked about tonight, you'll know. And that changes everything. Yep. Yeah. And one, one more thing I want to throw out is that, uh, you know, these are just some initial thoughts on this. So we do invite uh, comments, your thoughts on this stuff. Uh, certainly there's other things to look at. So feel free to, you know, shoot us an email at uh, contact at gapology.org. Throw comments into our our social media. We're on Facebook. We're on uh, LinkedIn and all, and all that. So so feel free to do that as well. We'd love to hear from from you as well. And next week we're going to continue this series with how do you know when to promote. So continuing this this conversation, I think it'll be an interesting. Ooh, topic. yeah, that sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> so everybody, think on that one. Of the evolution of the conversation. Yeah, that's so. the next step. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Mark. Thanks, Brian. Yep. We'll talk to you later. Appreciate it. Yeah, you too. Bye-bye. All right. That'll do it from here. For more information on Gapology, Imbar, or Speed of Purpose, head on over to our website, gapology.org. Everyone have a fantastic week. We'll talk to you soon. This has been a Gapology Institute production. Visit us at gapology.org.